0: Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this morning, for the ways that you speak to us, for the ways that we see the love of Jesus in one another, and we pray that you equip us for your love in this church and in this world, even as we go into our week. In Jesus' name, amen. Love your neighbor. What does it mean? Who does it make us? How does it change the world? We read 1 John as a word in the midst of a world of ongoing disorientation. And just think, when 1 John was first sent out in the mid to late 1st century for people to read and live by, people were dying because of choosing Jesus over the Roman Empire. My hunch is that some Christians in the first and second centuries were not sure just how to balance their faith and their politics. And that's where 1 John may have something to say to us still. You and I can be friends without thinking exactly the same on every topic. The notion of all or nothing is a false standard that has never been a part of the life of the people of God. If it were, there would only be one book in the Bible, and it would say the same thing to every single generation, no matter where you were in the world. But even from a friendship standpoint, if you and I thought exactly the same on every topic, it would get pretty boring. It would be kind of like talking to yourself in the mirror all the time. You know, when I was a freshman in college doing what all freshman Bible majors do their freshman year in college, which you know what that is, right? You're looking for a wife. (laughs) And so when I'm looking for a wife, I went out with one girl who just sort of nodded and smiled the whole time. And I was bored to tears, just bored to tears. And then I am at Jen, and I was like, oh, okay. Um, I found someone who will challenge me and think with me and process and, you know, disagree. And it was just, it was wonderful, and it, and it still is. And so why do we think that even in the life of the church, that, well, you know, we all have to line up. No, we don't. We don't. After all, I mean, think about it. When Tom Hanks's character in Castaway met Wilson the Volleyball, they argued all the time, which was one of the things that kept him sane. there on the island all by himself. Well, by himself and his friend Wilson. They processed with with one another. Consider this recent observation. Our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. The second is that to love someone means you agree with everything they believe, say, or do. Both are nonsense. You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. Dave Chappelle. Sometimes the beauty of our future with Jesus makes the present seem that much more dimly lit. So I want to read four sections out of 1 John this morning that these four passages are pretty much going to be the bulk of what we hear this morning. So, if you have a Bible in front of you, which all of you do, um, if you'd like to follow along, we'll be reading quite a bit of these passages. And I'll tell you why here in a minute. We spend our lives looking through a glass darkly. I mean, even the Bible says that. We're looking through a glass darkly, knowing that one day we will finally see face to face. But one of the things that the Bible does for us, one of the things that God continues to speak to us through living word, particularly 1 John, is to remind us of what we too often forget, and that is something as simple as love your neighbor, You know, which 1 John seems to be pretty devoted to that, love God. Well, how do you love God? You love your neighbor. Well, how do I love my neighbor? You devote your life to God. And they just keep feeding one another, but we forget. We forget this so often in our daily lives. It, it, sometimes I feel like a kid. Shut the door. Okay. And you leave it open. Well, why didn't you shut the door? Well, I forgot. Why didn't you love your neighbor? Well, I forgot. I forgot that that was the center of everything that we do. And so, if we as a church, And I know a lot of you know this, but I'm just going to say it out loud anyway. If we spend decade upon decade reading the Bible and studying the Bible and knowing the Bible back and forth, upwards and sideways in every way that you can imagine, but if it doesn't impact the way we live our daily lives, we've completely missed the point. Totally and completely. If you read 1 John last week, because remember... The kind of homework assignment, and if y'all weren't here, if anybody wasn't here last Sunday, you can catch up this week. Monday, 1 John 1. Tuesday, 1 John 2. Wednesday, 1 John 3. Thursday 4, Friday 5. Just a chapter at a time. But then spend time with it and actually let it impact the way that we live our daily lives. Because again, if this stuff is not impacting the way that we live, if we're not constantly seeking how to live this stuff out in our daily lives. You know, I read the Bible in 52 weeks. Or I read the Bible in 90 days. Well, good for you. It is. I'm I'm not being sarcastic. That is really good. Good for you. You read the Word of God. Did it do anything? Did it impact your daily life? Did Did it affect the way that you daily engage one another, that you walk with God, that you look for opportunities, that you keep your eyes open for the work that God is doing in this world. Love your neighbor. But there are times when these passages, sometimes they make things worse. Because when I was really starting to take Christianity seriously, right between 14 and 15 years old until about 1920. That block of time. I would read things like 1 John, and it would leave me completely frustrated. It would make things worse. You know how? Because I would read this beautiful little letter in the back of the New Testament, 1 John. Uh, in first year Greek, 18 years old, you know what the first thing that we translated out of Greek once we kind of got our feet wet and new words and letters and all that sort of thing? It's First John. you just immersed in this book for years. But sometimes it made things worse. Because I would look at the vision of First John all this wonderful language about love God and love your neighbor and then i would look at the world around me and think what happened what got lost in translation what, what what's missing here what are we doing wrong you ever get that feeling sometimes it's like if i just if i could just do one thing it would fix everything you know welcome to what christianity looked like in the 1800s it was very, if we do this, this, and this, we'll get it right. I mean, there were, there were movements in the 1800s that thought, if we do this, this, and this, we'll get Jesus to come back. And, okay, I know, all right, so maybe that approach seems a little bizarre now, but there's a part of me left over, I guess it just got passed down to me, Through all this heritage of people following Jesus, but I still, I I don't know, maybe just in practice think, man, if we just did this one thing, if we just did this one thing, then it would all click. And everybody would love everybody, and, you know, God's in his heaven and all is right in the world. I don't know. We'll see. But this is a good place to start. This is the message that we have heard from Him and declare to you, God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with God yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. In the blood of Jesus, His Son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us for our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar and His word has no place in our lives, lots and lots of darkness, even a little bit of light, a little bit of light pierces the deepest darkness. So if we want to know who we are supposed to be as people of Love Your Neighbor, When we are called to light, it means that even in the midst of the thickest darkness, we, as the people of God, are called to shine our light. Even in the smallest of ways, we shine our light. And then he keeps going. Chapter 2. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The one who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in God must walk as Jesus did. This is what I was talking about last week. And it has bothered me all my life, and it's going to bother me till the day I die. I really think it's going to. How we can hear this kind of stuff decade after decade, and some people who've heard this stuff all their lives are still as mean as all get out. I don't get it. I I just don't get it. I don't get how it can be. Where is the disconnect? This is is the Word of God right here, right now, I, I don't know, plain as day. Plain as the nose on your face. If we hear what Jesus commands, and we don't do what He commands, and we say, oh, I know God, I know Jesus, we're like that. But you don't do what Jesus says, I mean, the Word of God doesn't pull any punches here. It says, you're a liar. And I don't know, man, there was nothing worse when I was a kid than somebody to say, you're a liar. I just couldn't stand it. Could not stand it. Especially when you've told the truth. All right, so so keep going. Verse 7. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one which you've had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard, yet I'm writing you like a new command. Its truth is seen in him and you because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother, hates her sister, is still in the darkness. Whoever loves a brother or sister lives in the light. There's nothing in you to make you stumble. But whoever hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. You don't know where you're going because the darkness has blinded you. I write you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on his name. I write you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write you young men because you have overcome the evil one. I write you all my dear children because you have known the father. I write to you fathers because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. I think that one is one that just needs to sink in for a while. Just read it again this week. Let it speak. Because I don't know about you, but living in this world that has gotten very good at acting like a world, if you actually walk in the world day in and day out, this is going to be tough to hear. Because there are plenty of opportunities for people in front of me, and all around me, and sometimes that I just read about. There are plenty of opportunities for hatred to grow in a heart and fester. Right? You ever feel this? Word of God is saying, you know, you don't have to live your life that way. All right, so there's going to be people around sometimes that, um, all right, so maybe don't hate them, but there are going to be people who are worthy of righteous indignation, right? Am I by myself on this one? Okay, so there are people all around you worthy of righteous indignation. All right, so there is a time and a place for that. Don't let it be your whole life you know, think about it all the time you know whatever we are spending our days thinking about and processing and dwelling on that's what's going to become our lives and so this is why we said even if it's just an hour a day even 30 minutes a day Read a chapter of 1 John, dwell on it. How would that impact our lives? And here's this kind of final command, at least for today. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in you. For everything in the world, the cravings of sin, and the lust of the eyes, and the boasting of what you have and do, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. You know what this is saying? Just kind of at its its core, at its most basic movement? It's if we are living our lives measuring everything we say or do or think by the standards of the world, don't be surprised when you feel awfully tied to the world what is god up to i think it's time to start thinking of our lives as bigger than today to start living our lives in the promise of forever first john for the month of july we think of it as this simple lovely little book in the back of the new testament and it is this simple lovely little book in the back of the New Testament, but if you take it seriously and actually try to live it, it's going to challenge us. But while sometimes it does challenge us, it's still filled with one piece of good news that's big enough to cover all the bad news. It has enough good to cover all the bad Because all the while, the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. It doesn't say that darkness will pass and one of these days the true light will shine. It casts a vision that says the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. How then should we live? love your neighbor. Amen.